0: Hello everyone. Thanks so much for joining me for this episode of Inspiring Our World. My name is Julie Tara, and today I am totally thrilled to have my wonderful friend and your friend also, Jeff Isom with us. We're gonna be talking about humans being more, but first I'll just tell you a little about Jeff. Uh, He is the chancellor of Niken University and Jeff has helped thousands of entrepreneurs and Nikan business builders to discover their potential. As Chancellor of Nikan University, he leads humans being more training in every part of the Niken world, both virtually and on site. Jeff is not only an inspirational trainer of personal development, he is also a second-generation true Nikonite, as his mother was a successful Nikan consultant. So hi, Jeff, thank you so much for taking your time to be with me today. I know you're a super busy guy, but we love you. We've known you for years and I know I've done many humans being more trainings with you and feel like it's the heart and soul of Nikan.
1: Hi, Julie. Thanks for inviting me. I really am happy to be here and I agree with you. we have a heart of Nikan and it is that humans being more message that we're all so connected to
0: yes absolutely well i'd love to ask you a little bit about your journey with Nikan how how you you know got started with it I'm, i know with your mom and there was a, a phenomenal connection there and then how you evolved into this uh, wonderful human being that, that helps us all become better as human beings that we want to be we, we love that growth. So tell us a little about the, your trajectory.
1: Initially, I did not want to hear the name or the word Niken. <laughs> My mom discovered it. And as many people know, when your mom discovers Niken, you get to discover Niken. It just kind of <laughs> naturally happens that way. You know, a parent cares about their child. They want the best for their child. Um, any mother, any father, obviously, is going to share what they've discovered. Uh, especially when it's so crucial. And my mom was really excited about me, Ken, the people that she was meeting. And she absolutely was just very committed to a training called humans being more. And I really wanted nothing to do with it. Um, At that point in my life, I had done lots of motivational speaking I started doing motivational speaking at about 17, 18, doing workshops in an organization called Future Farmers of America. So doing leadership trainings on you know, teamwork and setting goals, very basic um, trainings and speeches, but I started quite young doing them. Um, I actually spent a year when I was 19 Uh, where that kind of exploded. And I became a national officer in that organization. And I was speaking sometimes up to six times a day to groups varying in size from 30 to 18,000. So I spoke before very large crowds about these topics of personal growth and personal development. And I had heard people like Zig Ziglar and Tony Robbins. And my experience often was, you would go to a motivational seminar or event And you would get super stoked and excited and pumped up and ready to take on the world and make everything happen and just you know take the world by the tail and just just be your own boss and move forward and then like you know two days after the seminar the speech is like yeah everything's back to normal nothing has changed and that was often my experience with motivation and motivational speakers and i said to my mom yeah, it sounds cool, humans being more, no interest, I'm not going. And I had a circumstance in my life um, happen and uh, I won't go too deep into it, but it drove me, it it gave me the impetus to be open to the idea of at least doing what my mom was so interested in. So I did go to a humans being more training, was there for two days um, and it was life changing. And I couldn't believe it. I was just really blown away because um, my experience normally was going to one of these kinds of trainings is that you go to the training, you get pumped up, you get hyped up, you go home. Two days later, nothing happened. And in my experience, what I literally experienced is three days after the training, everything changed. I started changing my diet. I started changing how I talk to other people. I'm not kidding, I went out and got the oil changed in my car. I just started, I started taking care of all of these things that I had been avoiding after attending that training. And it was a very compelling beginning for my connection to Niken. Um, That training happened in 1996. Um, now, uh, 26 years later, I'm still very connected to this company that truly is life changing for many people, me included.
0: That is an incredible story. Jeff, I never knew a lot of that, but I never knew that you started like at 17. Like, well, what comes to my mind then is that this has been a natural calling for you to be a trainer, a motivational, inspirational trainer, like all your life. And then to have such a shift during Humans Being More, having had all the experience you had prior, is is really, that's amazing to me. That's like, it just shows the power of humans being more and and, uh, you know I know from my own experience I I think I've done it 24 25 times is 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 I know that when we we would you know bring our teens to humans being more and people would have life-changing experiences like you describe and usually in the business it would just their business would just skyrocket it would just explode because of those shifts just like when you said the oil in the car you know that's so it's such a great metaphor you change the oil in the car you know like it's just like starting to change all those things around you because you you have made that shift so i'm sort of curious about was it a challenge you were having that pushed you in to doing humans being more was that the the motivation because often i think challenges in our life are the things that are the impetus for for taking on something new or experiencing something different
1: you know i was at a point in my life where if like if i can speak with a tiny bit of narcissism i have lots of talents and gifts i'm quite bright i'm very creative i'm well spoken i make connections with others pretty easily um i i have lots of gifts and i just didn't know what i wanted to do with my life when i graduated i had no idea i didn't know what i wanted to do When I got to university, I wanted to study everything. I wanted to study the sciences and the arts and um, the social sciences. And I ended up studying what I thought would be the most fun. That maybe wasn't a good choice, but that's what I did. I studied something that was really fun and enjoyable. And when I graduated, having really enjoyed my course of study, which was film studies, I also was a filmmaker and was making documentary films. I really did not have a clear direction in my early 20s, what I wanted my life to be about. And what I did, some people think this is kind of maybe a little crazy, but what I did, I sold everything I owned, and I decided to go to the most dangerous place on the point of the earth. Right now it would be Maripol, right? You'd go to Ukraine. If you wanted to go to the most dangerous place, potentially on the face of the earth, you'd go to Ukraine. So what I did in the mid 90s is I went to Bosnia, I sold everything I owned, and I went to a place of tremendous chaos. I was feeling a lot of chaos in my own life. And I went to Sarajevo, this very chaotic place, and I spent one night sleeping in a cemetery. Um, The hotels were so expensive. The only open hotel in the besieged city of Sarajevo was being bombed and shelled by the Serbian army. The only place that was open was the Holiday Inn Hotel that had been uh, opened up in 1984 for the Olympics in Sarajevo, the Winter Olympics. And they were charging 500 US dollars a night, which in 1995 was an insane amount of money, an in, insane amount of money. It's, it's a small fortune. I couldn't afford that. It was filled with UN workers, the Red Cross, CNN. They were all taking up all of the rooms it's a large hotel but it's the only operating hotel so i was wandering up and down the streets of sarajevo on buildings bombed out pockmarked with bullet holes and i didn't feel comfortable enough had i been in my 30s i would have just asked somebody i would have said hey can i come sleep at your place (laughs) if i was in my 30s i would have done that yeah without even thinking i would just ask somebody hey i need to come sleep at your place but I ended up sleeping in a cemetery and about halfway through the night, it started raining. I just bundled myself up in all my clothes and covered myself with a a sleeping bag that I had. And I started to freeze, it started raining, I started getting wet, so I left the cemetery. The cemetery, it's odd that I would choose a cemetery to sleep in, but it was filled with soldiers who had recently been killed. Um, I went. They turned a a park into a cemetery and I went and looked at all of the the gravestones and they were all young men between the ages of 18, 19, uh, you know, late 20s. So my age. And it's a strange concept, but I thought if I sleep here, I will be safe. I will be protected. So that's where I slept. And anyhow, it started raining and I got up and I went and slept in a bombed out house and tried to... Use the shelter to protect myself from the rain. It was kind of up a hillside, the wind started blowing, and it was blowing through the house since it was totally exposed with the walls broken down. And then I got up again, and anyways, by morning I was sleeping, trying to sleep under a um, a, a big, huge lamp outside the post office that was generating a tiny bit of warmth. And by 6 a.m. trucks started to roll and people started going to work. The city was still, you know, operating as best they could. People have to go about their lives as best they can. And anyhow, I thought to myself that morning, having spent one night in Sarajevo, what am I doing here? This, this, this was a bad choice. This is not a rational choice. I'm maybe seeking adventure or, you know, it's a death wish. I, I just don't know what I want to do with my life. I just don't know. But, I figured out coming to Sarajevo was the wrong decision. And I got on a bus to Dubrovnik. I spent four days in Dubrovnik, wrote, wrote, wrote like crazy plans for the future. What do I want my life to be? And then from Dubrovnik, took a ship back to Italy, went to Rome, flew back home. And um, the day I got home, my mom said to me, hey, you wanna go to Humans Being War? And I said, okay, so I went. And three days after humans being more, everything in my life changed.
0: Do You know, I'm getting goosebumps all over my arms with your story there because it's like you sounds like you were in chaos. You went to a, the most chaotic place on the planet at the time, so chaos meets chaos, and then you bounce back, and then suddenly there's a door opens, and you're like, okay, and not really knowing, but just innocently, you know the- okay.
1: Those four days in Dubrovnik and those two days at Humans Being More created the potential for order. Here is the potential for creating order in your life. And if you, Jeff, can get clear about what you want your life to be about. And I think what I've realized going to Sarajevo, I don't want my life to be about suffering. I don't want it to be about my own suffering. I don't want it to be about the suffering of other people. I don't want that. That's not good. I've seen it in my life. I've seen it here in Sarajevo. That's not an option. That's not a direction. So what do I want my life to be about? And going to humans being more, humans being more, you get connected to love so powerfully because you're surrounded, you're enveloped by love. There's an exercise where you're literally surrounded by people who are focusing love on you at a very deep level and it's not goofy it's not gimmicky it's not um inauthentic it's real people who are attracted to me ken are attracted to this idea of reducing suffering and maximizing love peace happiness joy in their own lives and in the lives of others And I recognized that going to humans being more. I saw that in the reflection of the faces at my training, the face of my partner, my group members. And I came out of there thinking, yeah, this is the real thing. This is a group of people who want to reduce suffering and create more love in the world. And I want to be part of this. This is
0: just amazing hearing you speak like this it's very very moving I and I I I get the clarity that you got and I want to tell you because you know we've known each other for a long time but you but you may never know this about me but when I was in ballet I was reading a lot like you I love to to read and learn I'm very curious I was reading a book by Solzhenitsyn called cancer ward And, you know, my mother had, you know, schizophrenia and bipolar and was addicted to opiates and all kinds of things. And I asked the question in my heart, why do we suffer so much? And I heard a voice say, your life is about healing. It didn't say, this is why human beings suffer so much. It didn't say anything. It just said that. And I thought, that's true. And that's when I gave up ballet completely. It's the only thing I knew how to do, the only thing I knew how to make money in, anything. <clears> that I knew it wasn't quite the right fit, quite the right fit for me for long-term. And I left and started studying healing, all kinds of Asian understanding of healing. But I went back to London from Holland, from Amsterdam and did that. So when you say that, I mean, I really get it when when you realize that you you've watched suffering you've seen suffering close at hand and you go this isn't good i don't want to suffer i don't want others to suffer and your life becomes about how can i help alleviate suffering you know in the world with love and you're so right i mean it's the love that drives everything the love and the joy of life everything starts to shift because your whole orientation has shifted and I don't know, it's so powerful to hear you say this. And I think this is why when you when you're with people at Humans Being More, you see that transition from confusion and chaos into clarity. And you literally see the light just coming out of people and the love. And that exercise you talk about, I mean, I I most of us have a very difficult time experiencing that amount of love coming at us. And I know for me, I mean, I cried and cried every time we had that exercise for probably the first eight times I did it until finally I could stand in that place of being loved that much, you know, because I love to love others. But to actually be receiving it like that is so powerful, as you know. So I'm thrilled that you you brought that up. It's like that whole experience of your life was just a tr- transformational turning point that put you on your path. It's beautiful, Jeff. I'm so glad you were sharing all this. I feel very moved right now because I love humans being more. I love it. And it's, it's always been that hard place. And I, I feel like fundamentally, we're, we're here to express the love that we are, that we innately are.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think the concept that you shared, you know, asking this question about why the suffering, why experiencing more, this is so much suffering. And, you know, the suffering is not going to be eliminated. We're probably not going to see it in our lifetimes. And maybe it actually wouldn't be a good thing for it to be completely eliminated. Um, who knows what would replace it? Um, Because what stands in, in opposition to suffering is healing. And that became your focus and answering why is there suffering? Why does suffering exist? Why is there so much? Why do we have to see it? Those are all questions that may be worth asking, but a, a focus on healing may be the proper answer that the proper answer is to focus on helping others to be their best, to be their best selves, to be and be healed, Um, that maybe is the proper response. And I felt like Niken was a place where I could focus on that. And I almost immediately made a decision. I contacted Beverly Pepin, who was the International Director of Training for Niken at the time. And I said to her, hey, I want to be a humans being more trainer. That's what I want to do. Um, 1996, that's when I began my journey to, to, towards becoming a, a trainer um, in Nikken, um, training humans being more classes, and uh, eventually my position now as the chancellor of Niken University.
0: And you have conducted classes in how many countries? <laughs> many.
1: I believe it's 18, Uh, I've done classes in English and Spanish. Um, I've also had classes that have been interpreted into French, into German, uh, into Hebrew. I actually started working just in North America, so the US and Canada. And when Luis Casuga, who was uh, managing director for Mexico at the time, found out that I spoke Spanish, um, not fluently, but functionally, in the year 2000, I started going to Mexico to do trainings in Mexico. But I always had an interpreter who would work with me to help me tell stories. Stories can be really complicated, talking about things in past tense and, you know, sharing dialogue, it can be a little complicated. So I would do the training as much as i could with the spanish i knew and then had an interpreter to help in 2002 i was sent to panama and i was all ready to do a class in panama city Um, i'd done trainings in the dominican republic and you know had been around different places and uh, when i arrived in panama i asked once i met the host I meet my interpreter, the person that I'm going to work with this weekend to deliver the training. I always wanted to discuss and talk about logistics with them before the training started. And the host said to me, what are you talking about? And I said, the person who's going to help me to interpret, you know, to to the difficult parts. We were having a conversation in Spanish. And the host said, well, we thought you were going to do it completely yourself. No interpreter has been hired. So, for two days, I had to use all of my knowledge about the Spanish language and my excitement, my enthusiasm for humans being more to try and make it work. And we had a very committed group of people. They wanted to experience growth and change, and they wanted to have a good experience. They weren't just focusing on my lack of language ability. So, we had a successful weekend. It went great. Um, there's an exercise that we do during humans being more called I plus M equals R. And it's about the idea of getting results. And when you come to humans being more, um, you'll have a chance to experience this game about why it may be that you are, aren't getting results in your life. And a lot of it has to do with intention about what your intentions are. And during one of the breaks on the second day, I was saying to, um, a participant and she spoke english fairly well i said to her i hope my spanish gets better i really hope it gets better and she said to me you know what i will know that your intention for your spanish to get better is 100 percent when you move to a spanish-speaking country when you move to a spanish-speaking country that will let me know that that's really your intention. The result you really want is to speak Spanish better, not just to say, I hope that it gets better. And it's really funny, three months later, my sister moved to Mexico to set up an English speaking school in Guadalajara. So I did too. I moved to Mexico. I lived with a friend of, of a family she knew. He was a police officer and I he had a spare bedroom. And I lived with him for three months. And then I moved in with my sister uh, with the family that she had been staying with. They had um, five brothers in this family and um, I was in Mexico. I lived in Mexico for six months. I studied Spanish intensively for four of those months. I was in school for four hours a day. Um, It turned out I had private instruction because nobody were at the higher levels of my courses. So I had a teacher teaching me one-on-one and my Spanish got really quite good in those six months. I was also flying around and doing trainings in the US and Canada and Mexico, uh, in Europe. And it was a really exciting time, but uh, I became fluent in Spanish and have continued to do classes in Spanish. Uh, But I've done classes and continue to do classes now all over the world for NICAN. A lot of them are now being done virtually by Zoom. Uh, We have classes in English, French, Spanish, and German that are humans being more classes being done virtually. But it really is important that that's the case because it doesn't matter the language you speak or the culture that you come from, the nation you live in. Um, we are all connected by this concept of humans being more. Everybody, doesn't matter where they live, what language they speak, wants to be more. And Nikan, it's just so wonderful that, wonderful that they provide a vehicle for people to do that.
0: Absolutely. It's it's amazing to hear this story because I know you speak Spanish very well. I hear you and I'm like, oh, he's just, he's got it going on. And one of the things I've always really loved and admired about you is your desire to go to all these countries in the world to connect human to human all over. And I, I remember you telling us a story, but when you were a little boy and you had a book and I seem to remember it was like about a koala bear or something. And this koala went everywhere and you decided that. Tell us that story, because I think it's so interesting how our lives become so much of the dreams we had as as children.
1: When I was six, my mom gave me a book for my birthday uh, called Around the World with Koa Koala. I was in the first grade and it's a book about a koala bear. He's Australian and he decides to sell all of his things, which many Australians do. Australians literally will sell their home and then go on a walkabout. Not in the back of, you know, of Australia, but they will leave and travel for a year, two years, three years. They'll, you know, suspend their job, they'll put everything on hold and they will go see the world because Australia is so far away from every other place. And this little koala bear does exactly that and he has a balloon And he loads up his few belongings that he's taking with him into his balloon. And then he flies around the world. And there are 100 stories in this book. Um, Each couple of pages is a different story. It's a large storybook. And he goes to Argentina and to Nairobi and to Japan and to Russia and to uh, Germany and to the Inuits, the, the native peoples of the north, of northern Canada. And he goes to Oklahoma and meets cowboys. And he goes around the whole world and meets with boys and girls, with children from all these different countries and cultures. And you learn a little bit about how children in Egypt and how children in Iraq and in India, what their lives are like. And man, I was hooked. I got hooked at six years old. I actually did a drawing. I did a drawing of the planet and then a boat. And my idea was that one day I would get in this boat and I would sail around the world and I would meet all of the children of the world. I I would learn about their lives and their customs and their cultures and the food they ate, the things they did. And I was so excited for it to happen someday. And when I was 17, I actually set a goal to go to 100 countries. That was my goal. And I was able to start traveling in in my uh, in my 20s quite a bit Uh, by 2008. 2008, I went to South Africa, the country of South Africa, the first time. That was country 100 for me in 2008. And I've kept traveling since then. I've now been to 151 countries, um, countries and territories around the world. I have a new goal. It's not 100 countries, it's 212. It's 212 countries, and those are not members of the United Nations. The United Nations has 192 members. 212 is the number of countries that can compete in FIFA's World Cup uh, and the Olympic Games. So there are places like the Vatican that do not send Olympic teams. They could. The Vatican could send a bunch of Cardinals, you know, to FIFA's (laughs) World Cup and play in the soccer games, but they don't do it. But the Vatican doesn't feel the team at the Olympics um, and they are not a member of the United Nations. So there are a lot of places that are not members of the UN, but could send teams to compete at the Olympics or in the World Cup. So that's how I'm measuring it. Um, I've been to every country and territory in the Western Hemisphere. So from northern Canada to Tierra del Fuego in the south, I've been to every I've been to every island in the Caribbean that is a nation or a country. Every single one: Sabah, Saint Eustatius, Aruba, Bonaire, Curacao, Haiti, Cuba. Every single one. The only territory I have not been to in the Western Hemisphere is the Falkland Islands. That's it. So it's really hard to get to the Falkland Islands. You cannot fly there direct from Argentina because they consider them Las Malvinas, part of Argentina. Um, There actually was a war fought in 1982. The British said, no. You're not taking the Falkland Islands and Prince Andrew and everybody sail down on ships, big, huge warships. They're like, yeah, we're keeping these. Um, I've not been to the Falkland Islands. You have to fly there from Chile and it's a very expensive flight. It's like a hundred dollars round trip. I'll probably go at some point, not yet, but I will, before I die, I will go to every country and territory on the planet. Um, it probably will take the rest of my life. Some people, many, many people have done it. This is not an original goal or a thing to do. Many, many people have done this. Um, um, I but most do have
0: not, life. Jeff. I mean, many may have, but most of us have never done that, nor nor thought that expansively. Um, so I mean, it's incredible to me. And I love it that you have these goals. And I, I'm so glad you explained the 2, 212 because I was going to ask you why. Why 212? Um so what would you say are your kind of quintessential lessons that you've learned from all these experiences? Because you really have had experiences that many, many of us have never had. I mean, I've traveled to some countries, but nothing, nothing like you've done.
1: I would say the biggest thing I've taken away from the travel that I've done and from the humans being more classes that I've given everywhere from. Singapore, to Tel Aviv, to Mexico City, to Bogota. Um, You know, the the takeaway for me has been everyone generally wants the same thing. It really doesn't matter where you go or who the person is. Almost everyone wants the same thing, and that's to love others and to be loved. People want to give the love they have inside of them and they want to be loved in return. And then they want their life to have a sense of meaning and purpose. That's what they want. They want their life to feel meaningful. They don't want to be nihilistic, that life has no purpose, that it has no meaning, that it's just this random act of the universe, but there is a real purpose and meaning to my existence, to existence. And people want to figure out what that is for them and then to express it, you know? So whether it's having their own little shop, their own little business. There's a woman in Colorado and she wanted to open up a bakery. That was her dream. Her dream was not to be a billionaire. It was not to, to sail on a yacht around the world. It was to open a bakery. She was an amazing Um, Baker. She made the most, she actually brought treats to the class on the second day. They were just so delicious. And that was her dream, you know, to give the gifts, the talents that she had to other people. And, and that would have given her meaning and purpose to maximize the talents and gifts that she had. And it doesn't matter where you go. Um, everybody wants to love and be loved, and they want their life to have meaning and purpose. And it's expressed in different ways. Um, for some people, you know, it is it is having a house on the beach, because that's what they need to feel complete in their soul. Um, but it's different for everyone, but it's, you know, it's manifested in different ways. But at our core, we're pretty much all the same. We're all connected. Um, We're very different in many ways, but we're also exactly the same.
0: That's beautifully put. And I couldn't agree with you more. I think that sense of purpose and mission is is so vital to all of us. And and then to express, to be creative through our gifts. Um, And and I love that in, in humans being more that that we really work with that, you know, that question. And then clearly the loving others and being loved is is at the core of it all. It's kind of, I think it's what makes up. I remember my son talking about string theory once in school and I was like, and he was like, what do you think it is? And I said, I think it's love. I just, I think it's love. Love is the string theory. It's the thing that connects us all. Um, but it's wonderful to see the diversity of how we bring our purpose and mission uh, into form whilst we have the privilege of life here. Because it, it does, It for me, it's such a privilege. Like every morning when I wake up and I watch the sunrise and I'm like, wow, what a privilege to be on this planet at this time. And we're at a powerful time of change and transformation on the planet. I feel like, you know, we've all been in a sort of cocoon and now we're in like chrysalis stage. And we're like, okay, what kind of colored butterfly am I gonna emerge this time, you know? And and we're all going through it. And, you know, I listened to a lot of things. I was, you know, as you do and and reading and studying. And in fact, I I just uh, listened on Audible to, Prema children she did a book. Well, it was from talks called "Practicing Peace in Times of War," and it's it was just so profound, so simple. Four talks put together to weave into this into this book. And so, like you, I'm always curious. Like, what what are the innate motivations of a human being? And then, Nikan for so many people is is a calling. It's an undeniable calling and we may have different words for it and we may have a different focus some for some it's the technologies and connecting people to that for some it's the business structure and how you can help people become sovereign in their own life for others it's it's the humans being more and probably that's at the core of every one of us anyway um but you know you've you've met so many nikon consultants um what do, what do you see with that? Do you see it being very varied? Or like you said prior, is it all kind of boils down to the same, same thing?
1: It's extremely varied. the The mission and purpose of our consultants is extremely varied. I would say that that is probably one of the most important things we do at Humans Being More. Um, We actually write a mission statement where people create a paragraph that expresses what they feel their life is about, um, what the meaning of their life is for them. And then we create something called the purpose statement, which is kind of a surprising statement. It's very, very short. It's actually only a single word. Um, It's kind of a, a, a surprising experience to think that a purpose that someone's purpose might be encapsulated in just a single word. But I have found that people use Nikan as a vehicle, primarily. They use it as a vehicle to accomplish very different things, very different tasks. Um, people do not want to do the same thing in, in their life. I mean, we, I believe it's now 7.89, 7.89 billion people. It keeps going up. And although people are similar, people have different ways of of achieving their objectives. And there's a lot of diversity among the consultants in terms of what they want to accomplish through Nikan as their vehicle and how they want to change their own life and the lives of others, the kinds of activities they want to be engaged in and involved in. Um, I There's a consultant who's a ventriloquist. <laughs> they do <laughs> puppet shows. They do puppet shows um, a, as a, a children's ministry. And that really is a huge focus, a huge part of their life. I don't know any other consultant who is a <laughs> ventriloquist and do, does puppet shows. She's the only one.
0: I um, love that.
1: But when you get to know our consultants, our consultants are interested in so many um, various activities and causes and interests. Um, And they all have very different, very different lives. But Niken is something that binds and, and allows many of them to pursue those interests, those activities, those loves with such passion. They're able to do it because of of the freedom that Niken can give them the confidence that Niken can give them the opportunity Um, so it is a powerful driving force to have a company like Niken backing up those who have dreams to explore and to express
0: absolutely And, and and what a beautiful community we have given all that rich diversity which i think you probably appreciate maybe even more than any because you meet so many of us all around all around the world so you know just as we're coming to to a close i know i know you need to go on with your next thing um i want to ask you about the future a little bit like what do you see with our world where do you see nikon fitting what's the importance and relevance of nikon here and now going going forward
1: If, if you look at human time spans um you know Civilization has been around uh, about 10,000 years. Prior to that, and you know there are different timescales. But if if you use the timescales that scientists are generally using, um, in our current form, our current physical form, we've existed about 200,000 years. About um, 200,000 years as Homo sapiens and we've been pretty much the same. We physically have not really changed our brain size, how our body looks for about the last 200,000 years. And it's only been 10,000 years um you know that farming began, that hunting gathering society stopped and then civil civilization began. And it's really only been about the last 5,000 that we've had writing. Most technological development that has occurred most of it has occurred within the last hundred years. So out of 200,000, most of the technological development has been within the last hundred years. And the vast majority of the life-changing technological development has been in the last 25. So the acceleration that we have experienced as a human species in our lifetimes it's been unprecedented Uh, literally for hundreds of thousands of years it's like we're just hanging out hunting mammoths eating berries and you know doing our best to survive and then all of a sudden it's like oh my gosh social media everywhere and not a hundred channels or a thousand channels there are literally 10 million channels there are 10 million or a hundred million if you include TikTok and youtube There are 100 billion people broadcasting constantly their own little television channel. You can tune in to 100, not 100 billion, um, 100 million different channels at any given moment of people broadcasting. And the spread of information and the collaboration that's happening and the acceleration with computing power, with biotechnology, with different kinds of innovations, it's accelerating at such a rapid pace that my only answer is no one knows <laughs> Any, anybody who tells you that they know what's going to happen within the next five or year five or ten years is lying to you we all thought that europe was going to get together and live peacefully and happily ever after after 1989. the berlin wall fell the soviet union collapsed it split into it's independent states: Estonia, Lithuania, Latvia. Finally, got free. Kazakhstan and the other stans, you know, broke away, and we're all going to live ha- happily ever after. There will never be war in Europe again. We've learned our lesson. Yeah, whatever. Okay. No one knows what's going to happen. So, my advice to people who are listening: I don't know if I've, I haven't really earned the right to give advice yet give me another four or five years, come back to me in four or five years. But the advice that I would give to people right now is just to be prepared for anything, be prepared for anything, maximize the gifts and talents that you have. You don't have to know everything. You don't have to understand everything. You don't have to, you know, be a master at Instagram or TikTok. You don't have to understand how to do a root canal, you know, But what you do need to understand is what you are good at. So the gifts and talents that you have, don't bury them. Don't leave them idly on the table. You want to plant the seeds that you have and continue to grow and nurture them. And the talents that you have worked on and developed, can you continue to grow and nurture and and develop your talents? Because that is what will allow you to thrive and, and prosper in the future, whatever it brings. I'm hopeful. I've always been a proponent of world peace. I would love for it to happen. I think it would be wonderful for all of us, you know, all the children of the world, to hold hands together. Um, and just like Koala Koala, who flew around the world in his balloon meeting the children of the world. I think we all in our heart know that people are good, that at their core, people are good and want to be good. That's a reality. Some people have real struggles and challenges that that distract them, that cause them to get distracted from that primary objective of wanting to be and to create good. Um, but I do hope for a more peaceful world. And I really think it's an individual task I think when each individual person chooses to have a more peaceful world, it can be created almost immediately. You can create world peace for you almost immediately. It starts within you and it extends out from you and maybe it's 5 feet, 10 feet, maybe it's 100 feet and everything that comes within that 5, 10, 100 feet, it's like they sense it, they feel it. And you create that influence. And I think as more and more of us work on creating a peaceful world within ourselves, that it'll continue to manifest and, and be expressed and and hopefully um, we'll, we'll live in a in a in a different kind of future, the kind of future that we truly want to experience. I don't know exactly. I do know that I can choose to be prepared for it by being the best Jeff that I can be. And I'm working on it, I'm working on it. I'm not there yet, hopefully I'll get better. Um, But I do want to be a human who's being more. I really want that, and I want that for other people. I want other people to believe, to have the opportunity to be, that they could be the very best that they could be.
0: That's so beautiful, Jeff. This is such an inspiring conversation. I feel like I'd love to just keep going forever. And I know we can't, but thank you for saying that. It's reminding me of Gandhi's dictate, you know, be the change you want to see in the world. And that we are all taking steps and we're all doing the best we can with what we have, with what we know. And we have that desire, you know, for for love, for joy, for world peace um, through our own you know, emanation of that, shall we say. So I just want to say thank you so very much for your time. I appreciate you. We are so lucky to have you. You're such a gift for all of us in Nikan. I hope all of those listening, uh, that you go to Humans Being More, whether it's on Zoom or in reality, um, shall we say, uh, soon because the, the more we do it, the more we are reminded of our, of our internal greatness and desire to, to do well in the world and to give back to the world, uh, whilst we're here because life is a precious, precious, precious gift. So thank you, Jeff. Thanks everyone for listening. Don't forget to like and comment and share this podcast with others. And we wish you well on your journey with Nikon and in your life many blessings to you all. Thanks so much. Bye for now.